0: told you we're going to talk a lot about prayer this year, and it uh, seems that a lot of people are following that as well in uh, different places that I follow, and uh, um, interesting enough that we're recognizing we need prayer. That's about the only thing that can help us now. It's just this God. It's no more a man and man's uh, ideas and man's way. We're, we're at a place where we need to call on God again. And so we're going to talk about prayer and uh, being with God in, in the quiet. Being with God in the quiet. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture today. One, uh, and, and in that one verse uh, comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's where Jesus is talking about prayer. And He calls us to prayer in this particular verse, but it's one verse that if you will follow it and heed it, Jesse, it can change your life. If you will listen to this verse and not just listen. We got, to, we got to, too much in American Christianity, me included, that we, we are ever learning, ever learning, ever learning. Learn, learn, <laughs> learn, 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 learn. The problem is we never put it into practice. And we have got to come to the knowledge of truth. We have got to be, as James says, doers of the word now. Doers. And the day is going to reveal it. It's going to be revealed by fire. Your works will be revealed by the fire of of, of the times that we're living in right now. And you will either stand as a true believer or you'll be exposed as a false and your works will burn. They will burn right before you. And so uh, we're going to find out who's wood, hay, and stubble and who's got the really goods, the precious promises of gold of God's Word and all the other goodies that come from God. And so we want to talk about being with God in the quiet. Father, we are so thankful for Your Word, God. I pray, Lord, that You would speak to our hearts today and change our lives in from what we hear today, God. I pray that You would help me. God, uh, I'm just a man, and I'm just, uh, Lord, have... It's, uh, it's only by your grace, God. It's only by you. You could. You can. You can anoint any. Body any any anywhere, God. It's your word. It's your spirit that causes life. And so, Lord, let the let let let, the, let let this be preached prophetically, Lord, to where it 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 literally pierces the hearts of the hearer, God. And uh, Lord, that their lives are changed today through the word of God. Make us and cause us to be people of prayer, God. Just uh, Lord, we I I can't I can't beg enough. I can't plead enough. I can't try to preach passionately enough, God. It's It's only you, God. It's only you that can draw us to this place. And, Lord, by pouring out your grace and your your supplication and your mercy on us, and God calls us to be a people that go now into the prayer closet and find a time with you, Lord. We love you. We give you the praise, and we give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Publisher. There's a Christian publisher. I was just listening to somebody, and they said this, uh, that says that... um, Uh, This person writes books, so uh, they would know. They said their Christian publisher tells them, said, uh, um, we we don't sell books on prayer and worship because nobody will buy them. That we don't sell Christian books on, on prayer and worship because the church is not interested in such books. That tells you why we can't have a prayer meeting. That tells you why we're not praying. And that my favorite preacher who that was saying that says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to write a book on prayer. And he's writing a book on prayer right now that he's going to release. Because if they're not going to release it, we're going to release it. And if they're not going to do it, we're going to do it. And that's exactly what we need to do because God calls us to pray. And if we're a prayerless church and a prayerless people, we might as well pack it up and go home. Amen? Now, Jesus, in this one verse we're going to look at today, Jesus is teaching about prayer. And here's what he says in Matthew 6 6. You're familiar with it, but I want to just break it down, and that's just a look at it, just inch by inch and word by word here. It says, But when you pray, he didn't say, But if you might pray, or if I beg you to pray, but when you pray, believers pray. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is the invitation right here to meet with God. An invitation to meet with the living God. To meet with the creator of all things. The God of gods. The Lord of lords. The one who breathed and formed a man. And out of that man took a rib and formed a woman. And breathed the breath of life into their nostrils. And they became living souls. That God wants to meet with you. Wants to meet with you. Meet with you come on folks you don't look excited i bet if i told you sadly as worldly and corrupt as we are now even in the church i bet if i told you the president well maybe not the president now we got issues going on in washington but maybe if i said taylor swift sadly you shouldn't even have have her on your breath but i'm telling you i bet you you would all people would get so giddy about movie stars and about this one and about that one but you've got the God uh, and you would do everything in your power. You would shower, shave. You'd you'd put on your best clothes. You'd get there early. You would do everything in your power to meet with certain people on the face of this earth. But I'll, I'll take it even beyond for the ones that are afraid to say about worldly things. What about your favorite Christian person? Favorite preacher or something? When I went to Times Square Church I couldn't wait and I got hit with a double whammy a double blessing. I got to meet my fo- favorite two Christians in the world in the same room. I couldn't hardly contain myself because I was so excited to meet these two men who worshiping God and, and had poured so much into my life through their sermons and books and that sort of things. How much more if the God and the King and the ruler of the earth is saying, I want to meet with you, Brad. I want to meet with you, Cole. I want to meet with you. It's an invitation here from God but when you pray God who crafted us God I remember the first date with my wife and and I'll even go I don't like talking I wish she'd have been the only woman in the whole world but I remember being a little little guy and the first time guys that we ever uh, get to go out with a girl or something like that you know you're just sitting there and you're thinking is this real right I'm sitting at the table with a girl, and she had, that I have all of her attention, and she's beautiful, and she is here for me, and I'm talking to her, and she's talking to me, and nothing else in the room matters, because there's such joy that is filling your heart. Some of you don't remember that far back, but you need to get it back in your life towards your spouse, but the whole room was just, they're gone, they're wiped out, because it's me, and this beautiful woman that wants to be with me and that's how much more again the same thing that God wants to do with us it's just like that he wants I remember my words you're thinking please don't let me foul this up don't let me say something stupid let me just say the right things and do the right things and am I doing this and am I doing that and that's the way it is and folks that's what he's saying here when you pray you are to go into a place you're to set aside a time that's what it's insinuating set aside a time but when you pray set aside a certain time to get with God you know why because if you don't set aside a time you won't get with God right you won't you'll get busy with what happens I I realized after COVID my whole routine got messed up and I had this routine like I liked it I, I was going to work and I knew what I would do I'd get there before anybody else and I would read my Bible and I had my time with God and then at lunch when it would roll around I would go out in the streets and I would walk and I would pray with God and we would talk and we would spend time together and then it, was just, it was just glorious those times and then COVID came and at first we were all fearful and scared and didn't know what was going on and man I was really digging in the word of God and I was praying but then all of a sudden apathy began to set in and now working for home and it's getting demanding and now my time schedule's all messed up and before long I can sleep in a little bit longer because I don't commute to go to work so now I can be lazy and get up and whoops I don't have enough time to go get into the word of God I don't have enough time to pray I gotta run to the computer and when I get on the computer it's all day on the computer and then I'm not even taking lunches and then the end of the day I'm thinking now I'll get with God and I'm wiped out I am done for. And at the first of the year, man, I realized I've got to do something. I thought, I don't have a set aside time. I had a set aside time and now that's gone. And I said, I am giving my first time like I would give my first of my income in tithe I'm giving my first time my best of my time I'm going to get up and I before I do anything else I'm going straight into the prayer closet because I am not going to let this time go by without meeting with God who wants to meet with me and I think I've done that every day except one. And the day I didn't do it was, was horrible because everything went wrong. And I'm telling you, everything goes wrong on every other day. But I didn't have what I needed that day to face what was going on when everything was chaotic that day. And my whole day was out of control. When you pray, indicating set aside a time. Get a time. If you don't, then you'll get busy and you won't do it. I encourage you to put it on the schedule, put it on the calendar. For me, it's every morning. I, I would, I would ask you to do that early. Uh, is the best time if you can do that because we do get so tired. But some of you can't do that. Some of you come in from a job after all night and it's time to go to bed. But I just encourage you set aside a time. Find a time when you pray. Meaning, set aside a time. Secondly, he says. Go into your room. Now that doesn't have to be a room with a door on it unless there's all kind of distractions going on. My kids aren't in the house anymore, except so when they come to visit and that sort of thing. So when I get up like I did at four o'clock this morning, I went in my wife's chair in there in her office. That seems to be my spot that I get from her on the, on the, on the Sunday mornings. And I'm in that place with God. And, and I'm in a room. There's no door shut, but she's snoozing in there, snoring. No. <laughs> and it's just me and God. During the week when I get up, the first thing I do is I go in my office where I work. And I shut the door. And, and, I, and I shut everything out, but, but, the, but the indication is here, when you pray, meaning set aside a time, secondly, go into a room. In other words, find a place to meet with God. Find a place where you and God can meet. Now, plan this out is what that's saying. And for most, it's every day. Some of you have prayer rooms. Some of you have places where you go. Others, like Cole, may be tomorrow in Georgia. And so today, his prayer closet and time is a place where he meets with them at home. And tomorrow, it's the Holiday Inn. But find you a place where you get with God. You have a time and now you have a place where I'm going to meet in this place with God. And thirdly, you shut the door which means no distractions. And that's what I was saying about sometimes that's a physical door and sometimes that's a, that's just a time period where you know nobody's here. There's not going to be any phone calls. There's not going to be any buzz, 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 buzz. There's not going to be any distractions whatsoever. And the Bible says that you go and you get alone with God. A place where you can focus on God because how many know that at a certain time the world begins to bombard us? It begins to come in. It begins to bombard us. It begins to... to, to, We're surrounded by distractions, especially on the screen. So he says... Put that all aside and be with God. Again, it's, it's like on your first date or on a date with someone that you love. I guarantee you one thing I wasn't doing. We didn't have these, thank God. I wish we didn't have them anymore. But the, but the thing, guess what? We, uh, I guarantee you one thing I would not have been doing in 1993 when I was on a date with the most beautiful woman in the world, I wouldn't have been doing this. I wouldn't have been, what did you say? Yeah, you are good looking. Oh, wait a minute. I wouldn't have been doing that. Find a place. No distractions. Shut the door. Get alone, the Bible says. And he writes it twice. In secret. In secret. And what that's telling me is the important part of your life is not the part that Everybody sees, not the part your family sees, not the part your children sees, not the part your friends see. The most important part of your life is the one that God sees. Now, He can see the most intimate, secret place inside of you. His eyes are like a flame of fire, it says in Revelation. They can pierce through anything. He can see right into who you are. And that's what it says. So it says, so it says uh, pray. When you pray, you're going to pray. Set aside a time. It says, come into that, that place and shut the door. Get out all distractions. Go into a room. Find you a place. Set aside a time. Go to a certain place. And then it says, then you go into that room. You shut the door. And then the question becomes, well, what do I say and where do I start? The beautiful part is Jesus tells them here. He tells us how. Right after Jesus tells us this little scripture to go into a certain place, close the door, and, 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 and begin to uh, pray in this secret place, here's what He tells us to do. He says, our Father. Our Father. And what He's doing, prayer starts with focusing on who He is. It starts with focusing on who God is. He is our Father. Father. He is our Father who is in heaven. And I want us to look in an acrostic so that maybe there's a, we've talked about a prayer language a few weeks ago, and I gave you a prayer language that would help you maybe to pray. Jesus here is giving us another prayer language, and we're gonna take it in the acrostic of the word pray. We're gonna take it in the, we're gonna take the word pray, and we're gonna break this word down, P-R-A-Y. And the first part of that word pray, P it stands for praise. It stands for praise. Our Heavenly Father, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Bible tells us, or Jesus tells us here, the way we start with prayer, once we plan that time, once we go into that room, once we shut everything out, and once we begin to pray, how do we do it? We say our Father. We begin to talk to our Father who is in heaven. And the Bible says we focus on who He is. And the way we focus on who He is is we begin to do what this P says, we praise God for. For who he is. This is how you begin to pray. All you that say I can't I tried praying, I can't pray more than three minutes. Well, if you follow this, you can pray more than three minutes. Because the first pay part is just kind of getting this in your mind. Jesus has given us an outline here of what we can do and he's teaching us how to pray. And he begins to say, praise God for who he is. He's your father now. Praise him for who he is. And and and, and thank him for uh, for what he's doing. Uh, thank him for giving you life. Thank you for giving him breath. Thank you for uh, salvation. And don't rush through this part. Get songs. Get songs out. A lot of times I'm going in and I feel nothing. I don't even want to go into the room sometimes. And I go into the room and sometimes you don't just sing these songs on church at Sunday. You take them and you sing them on Monday in your prayer time, in your prayer closet. You begin to sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense. My righteousness. Oh Lord, how I need you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. You begin to pray these songs. Draw me close to you. God, I don't feel close right now. I'm going to sing to you for a few moments. We sing. The good part about the, about the prayer closet is nobody else can hear you. Right? So we can sing in that place. And we can sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so we begin to praise Him. We begin to sing. We, every good thing comes from you. God and we say we sing it we may do this in a few weeks we may have a we may turn sunday morning into a prayer meeting and we may just learn how to do this because i'm going to teach you how to journal and when you journal at this point you begin to say things like god uh, i praise you because and if you write these things down before you begin to pray and take them into the prayer closet you have all sorts of things that you can praise him for god i praise you because you're beautiful god, God I praise you because you're righteous God I praise you because you're holy God I praise you because you saved me God I praise you because you went to the cross God I praise you because you got me out of that mess yesterday at work God I praise you and worship you you praise him for who he is and you praise him for the things that that he's given you in your life and we'll look at that in the days ahead so P is for praise You, you, you periodically get on your knees and you periodically get on your face prostrate before God in the prayer closet because sometimes we need this posture because we're a very proud people we're a very arrogant people and sometimes you need to humble yourself this way and sometimes you need to humble yourself this way before God and sometimes you can stand and pray but we need to pray amen So you start with praise, he says. You go into the closet. You shut the door. And you begin to praise God for who he is. And for what he's done in your life. God, you are good. God, you are holy. And then God, thank you for what you've done for me. You, you, you do both of those things. That, that could take a long time, folks. If you do it and you take time to do it. And then the next thing you move to is R, which is repent. Repent. You move out of praise and you begin to move into repent. My little granddaughter's learning how to praise. We have a little song Praise. What's that? Amen, Mars and I. It's a it's a hallelujah, yippee, yeehaw! Way to go, God! And man, she's praising, going around the house praising God. You train up a child in the way that they should go. You teach them at a young age, man. You begin to praise, and 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 now you move into a time of repentance. Look at what he says in Matthew six twelve. Pray like when you pray. Pray like this: Forgive us our sins and our debts and our trespasses, or our trespasses. It, like we said in the dating relationship, if we have a if we have a attention moment, if we have intense fellowship going on, and, and, and something happens in our relationship and we don't apologize to one another, how many's ever been there? Come on, you've gotten into a fight with the spouse, you've gotten into a friction moment, and by golly, I ain't and I'm sorry and she's not saying she's sorry and what begins to happen there is a breakdown and a loss of intimacy right right and every day we go through life, despite you thinking you're so great and so right and so holy, every day we fall short of the glory of God. There are things going on today of where I fell short of the glory of God. And so make it a good practice, Jesus is saying here, to go into the prayer closet and say, Lord, is there is search me, O oh God, and try me and see if there's any wicked way. Is there anything in my life that I'm not seeing where I'm falling short? Short of the glory of God. Is there anything in my attitude? Is there anything in my actions? Is there anything that I'm doing, God, in my life that I am not representing you fully? I don't want to be a poor advertisement for God. Or maybe yesterday you know you did something wrong. So this is a time where you move out of that praise, saying, God, I know who you are. And you begin to say, thank you for what you're doing. But God, I'm coming before this glorious, generous God. And I've got to acknowledge things things in my life because I don't want there to be a breakdown of intimacy between us and I need to say Lord forgive me forgive me forgive me for the way I was uh cold yesterday towards that person I was tired and I didn't represent you well I was short with them on the phone I didn't give them time I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't apologize to that person yesterday. I was rude to that waitress. I, 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 I did things. I, I, Lord, so we go into that place. Lord, Lord, I didn't acknowledge you yesterday. I went through the whole day and I didn't thank you for, for being you. And I didn't love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, with all my strength. Much less my neighbor as myself. So God, forgive me. God, I want my relationship. I don't ever want there to be a wall in between us. Uh, so God, I come to you and I, and I repent. I come to you and I acknowledge. God, I ask you to forgive me for... It's just that simple. God, if you're journaling and you begin to write it down, God, I ask you to forgive me for lusting yesterday. God, I ask you to forgive me for this yesterday, my bad attitude. God, I let my anger, I let that red button. God, forgive me. You don't like that to be pushed. Forgive me, God. Help me so that our relationship is not broken down and there's problems between us. So God, I ask you I ask you to forgive me. You confess your need for God's grace and God's grace. God's forgiveness and here's the beautiful part about God he, he is so generous and he loves to give that amen yeah. hallelujah and then uh, repentance leads to restoration and intimacy that's what leads to it in our relationship finally one of us rises up and says honey I'm sorry sorry I was cold to you sorry I gave you the cold shoulder sorry I withdrew and all of a sudden the intimacy is restored We hug and we embrace and, and we're back on speaking terms and, and that sort of thing. And then the next thing Jesus says is when you go into this closet, you shut the door, you're, you're, you're in secret place there. And, and all of a sudden you're no distractions. And here's how you pray. Father, you recognize me as Father. And then, then you begin to, you begin to, uh, praise and then you begin to repent. And after you know He's forgiven you for all these things, you, you come and you ask Him. You ask. A is for ask. You ask. God, I ask you to do this. God, I ask you for this. Ask God for what you need and what you desire in your life. And number one, one of the ways that we do that, some of these things that we ask for are planned and some of them are spontaneous. Okay? Some of them are planned and some of them are spontaneous. In other words, when you're meeting with God like I did yesterday, all of a sudden certain people even in this room began to come to my mind. I didn't plan for you to come to my mind. I was in prayer. Now you can act like that was uh, uh, you know, something I ate or you might want to think that God put that person in my mind and so I began to pray for them. So you begin to pray for those things that are spontaneous that come to your mind. Why did the guy in Moldova come? Why did the Koch family come to me in Honduras all of a sudden on that day? Why? our Guatemala. Why did Brother Crowder from Honduras come to my mind? Why did Jacob all of a sudden just come to my mind as a teenager in our church? Why do those things begin to happen? Because sometimes spontaneous be willing to understand that sometimes spontaneous yeah we get bombarded on all sides and sometimes it's hard to control our thoughts. And some things we're trying to fight off. But some things come from God. And they're just spontaneous. Oh, I need to pray for my church. Oh, I need to pray for my pastor. Oh, I need to pray for this or I pray for that. And then some things you take into the prayer closet. And you take four or five things that you're ready to ask for. You ask for them, and that, again, if you're a journaler, this is a great place to ask. You go into that place and you ask, "Dear God, I we need help for our house to be completed." Dear God, we need we need you to protect my husband while he's on the job. Dear God, we need you to help our son in college to to, to with professors that are that are difficult. Oh, dear God, we begin to go and we begin to ask things for ourselves, and we begin to ask things for other people. Oh, God, help! I know, I know. Jesse and Shaday are going through this. They're not. But I know they're going through this. And and God, I ask you to help them. I know about this situation and I'm asking you to help them. And so we began to ask for certain things. Spontaneous and then things that are planned. But the point is, God has invited you to come before Him and to ask. And some of you don't have because you don't. Obviously trust in God to answer according to His wisdom. Realizing that God has actually chosen to involve you in His work, in your life, and in other people's lives, and in the world through prayer. You understand that He has involved you in His work that's going on in your life, and other people's lives, and around the world. And the way He's invited you into that is through prayer. When you pray, God will act according to His, wisdom, His Word and to His wisdom. You say, well, I've asked before and He hasn't done it. Well, that's where you begin to trust that He is God and we are not. And so, and so sometimes the answer doesn't come the way we want it to come. But, but, but we ask. We come to God. And the Bible teaches us that we are to ask. And then the last part, we praise, we repent, we ask. And then fourthly, the, the fourth one there and why is We yield. We yield to God, the Bible says. Look at what he says in Matthew 6.13. Pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, yield is saying, I'm going to let God be in control of my life. God, I'm gonna let you lead my life. God, I, I can, if you're, if you're beginning to ask this in prayer and you're journaling, you begin to write things like, God, I can trust you with my marriage, God, I can trust you with my baby. God, I can trust you with my finances. God, I can trust you with my boss. God, I can trust you with my traveling. God, I can trust you with uh, with school and the pressures. God, I can trust you with these things. God, I will follow you in this. I will follow you in the difficult place. I will follow you when when the parent's sick. I will follow you with the child sick. God, I will surrender this part of my life to you. So you. Yield that to God. And you begin to go into prayer, yielding your life, Lord. Lord, I lead my, lead my life, God. Please lead and direct my life. Direct my path. Lord, uh, that's where you begin to pray in the morning, God. Details about your day. You begin to go to say, God, I've got a 10 o'clock meeting. And I need your help. You know so-and-so is going to be in that meeting. You know the big wigs, so you're going to be there. And God, I need you. I need you. I need you to lead me in this meeting at 10 o'clock. I need you to lead me through my day, God. I go into the Social Security office to deal with this or the DMV or whatever. And you know how those workers are, God. I need you to direct my life. I need you to lead me. I need you to do this. I'm going to be around these people at that time. I'm going to be counseling these people people at that time. God, I yield my life to this, to you to lead me. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, this thing's going to be going on and that thing's going to be going on. And so you pray through it and you pray for sensitivity to God's spirit and God's leading and for opportunities to share the gospel. Amen. I'm going to be showing my house at this time. God, this is a young couple. Help me somehow to work in you into the situation. God, just even if it's for a blip, help me to... Help me to give you glory and you honor. Give me a way that I can work this into that meeting that I'm going to, or this, or that, or that. And one other practical thing is that another practical thing that I'd already have mentioned, and we may do this as an exercise in the next few weeks, is journaling. Journaling. Some of the most intimate times you will ever have in your life in prayer sometimes is taking a pen and a piece of paper in the room, opening your Bible and writing some of the most intimate thoughts of your heart writing reflections, writing scriptures, writing out prayers. That is something sometimes it can get through, cut through the distractions and all the thinking and calls us. You don't have to do that. Jesus doesn't say to do that here, but I can tell you, you can also go back and look on those things. Marcy gave me three prayer cards and she said, did you bring those out here? And I said, no, I didn't. Three prayer cards that were in a prayer box back here that you ought to start putting your prayers in because that little box on that back table, three of those prayer that we about had been put in there and been being prayed over and I had about forgot about them and Marcy brought in said, you want to look at these? And I looked at them and they were answered prayers to some of your prayers that had been answered a long time ago. And so journaling and writing these things down sometimes helps keep our mind focused on God. We can reflect on His Word. We can write out Scriptures, write out prayers, write out verses, and then pray them back to God. But He said here, set aside a time. Find a place in the secret. And as I said earlier, I just want to hit on this for a minute. He said, pray to your Father. And that's a stunning title. And the reason it's a stunning title because for for two-thirds of your Bible, the word Father was only used 15 times. But it's used 165 in the Gospels. And so in the entirety of in reference to praying us praying our father i'm sorry in reference to us praying in the in the old testament 15 times in reference to praying unto god as your father being able to pray like daddy abba like we said but in the new testament 165 times Times God is addressed by Jesus in those places, and other people as pray like this: "Our Father." And what Jesus is teaching us in these passages is, we've been created for a relationship with God. We have been created for intimacy with God. That's why we want to praise our God. That's why we want to lift holy hands. Let men everywhere lift up holy hands. That's a command. That's not me sitting here by trying to berate you. That's God telling you, "Let men everywhere lift up." Ho- I don't think that's part of our doctrine. No, lift let every man everywhere lift up holy hands to God. Amen? Because he's a father and he's intimate. Jesus is teaching that you've been created but the problem with that intimacy is it was broken because of our sin and we turned away from God but the solution is that Jesus Christ came, he came and paid the price he died the death that we didn't uh, that, that we couldn't die, he lived the life that we couldn't live and Jesus paid the price and he now says because I've died, because I've risen again, if you will turn to me I will forgive you and I will bring you into a relationship with my father and that that's what you I've always wanted to do I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit and you will be able to cry from the innermost place of your heart Abba Daddy God God is my father amen Jesus Christ is my savior and the Holy Spirit is my helper amen you'll be able to cry that out of your mouth and out of your heart that you have God as your father J.I. Packer said this what is a Christian the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as their father as their father as their father and here's the thing of it and he's not like your earthly dads because some of you are thinking well I had a rotten father well he's not rotten he's everything you wished you had in a father He's everything you dreamed about and have longed for and tried to turn yours into. You see, God, you have His Father and He's really there. He's saying in these verses in secret. He really is there, Sharon. When you go into the room and you shut the door behind you and you cry to your Father, it says He really is there and He really is listening in the secret place with you. He really is talking back. That's why I'm begging you to get into the Word of God. That's why I'm begging you to get into a Bible plan. That's why we started one at the church for people who don't have one is because when you get into the Bible, when you go into your prayer closet, take your Bible and open it up on your lap because God will lead you to places in His Word and He will speak to you through the Word of God. And what's so beautiful about when you take a group like this and you all go through the same places together in God's Word, when you get together, you can come and say, man, Jesse, did you know we were reading in such and such... And man, did you read that the other day? God opened up the Red Sea, and man, we crossed through. And you begin to, it's fresh on everybody's mind. You're talking about the same thing. You don't have to do that. But I'm telling you, there's something excited If you got the kids doing that, then by the nighttime at family devotion, if the kids are reading the same thing, we're reading the same thing, then all of a sudden family devotion turns in. uh, Honey, did you read today's reading? Uh, The kids are listening about what they read. And all of a sudden, there's talk about God's Word. amen so he sees you he listens he hears you and he sees you in that place he sees your struggles he sees your worries he sees your questions the eye of God is on you and the last thing it says he will reward you he will reward you this ought to be reason enough Every day of your life, you are leaving treasure on the table. Every day of your life, you are leaving booty on the table, riches on the table for neglecting the prayer closet and the secret place with God. I'm not talking about just the distracted praying or the praying without ceasing all day long. I'm talking about when you go into the room and you close the door and your Father who is in secret sees you there and the Father who sees in secret He will reward you. How do I know this works? Because there have been times I have drugged my place since since the beginning of the year when I don't even want to go into that place and I'm thinking I don't have a word to say to you God, what can I do, possibly do in this place? And I drag myself into that place and I begin to remember acrostics or prayer language or put on some worship. And before long, by the time I leave that place, I am rewarded by God. I'm rewarded. I come out and say, dear God, hallelujah. I'm going to make it through the day. You met me here. You have given me everything I needed to get through the day today. I'm going to face the 10 o'clock meeting. I'm going to face uh, talking to my wife and apologizing. I'm going to face these things that I need to do. It's going to be great. And so He rewards us. He rewards us. And then we come down to the next place, and I'm going to close. Jesus says this. He says, when you fast... So we listen to God in the, in the prayer closet because He wants to speak to us too. We listen to His Word. That's why we need to be in a Bible reading plan. But then the next thing, notice what Jesus says next. And I'm going to be preaching on this probably next week or the next. He didn't say, if you might fast, which this is, this is gone from uh, uh, Christianity today. This is gone. And I'm not talking about your doc- my doctor. I went to the doctor. I'm 52. Pray for me. i got to have my first colonoscopy in a couple of weeks. I am not excited at all. And, and, and he said, I tell you what, you're getting a little older. He was really encouraging. You're getting a little older and, you know, you're losing muscle mass up here. You need to get some little five-pound weights. I guess he thought that's all I could lift, and it probably is. <laughs> he said, and you need to take this vitamin and that and this and that just so you can avoid things down the road. And, and he said, you, you, you ought to do some intermediate fasting. Okay, so fasting books on diets, fasting on how it's for your good health. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. So if you're doing one of those things and thinking, boy, I knocked fasting off the list today, that's not what he's talking about. He says, and when you fast, meaning you should and you will fast... And here's another acrostic that we give ourselves here of what that means. And we'll really break this down in the coming weeks. And I think you'll be excited about New Testament fasting and understanding what it really is that we accomplish in fasting. We're going to look at that. But, but the first thing is that you focus on God. It's not to get physically healthy. It, it, the purpose of fasting is not for that. It's to focus on God and, and, and on God alone. The second thing is abstaining from food. I know we can fast this thing and that thing and all that but real biblical fasting you abstain and set aside certain meals the next thing you do is you substitute the time with prayer or you're not fasting all you're doing is starving yourself that means I'm not eating lunch or supper today so during that time I'm going to eat and feast on God's word all the more I'm going to pray more I'm going to read the Bible more I'm going to feast on extra time alone with God and lastly I'm going to tea I'm going to taste and see that God is good. Amen? He is good. God is better. God is better than the most basic things that I need. God is better than the air I breathe. God is better than that T-bone steak. God is better than everything on the face of the earth. And that's what we accomplish and gain through, through fasting. I'm going to close with this. Uh, my preacher, your favorite preacher preached this week on uh, uh, prayer, ironically. And... Um, he began to preach out of something and I just want to show you we're talking about reward and talking about everything in closing and then we'll go to the baby dedication but I I just want to show you how powerful praying is and why we pray God didn't just wind this thing up and not involve we we have a part to play in all of these things and you say well it's just what's going to happen it's going to happen I I don't believe that with prayer I believe we have I believe prayer belongs to the intercessors I believe that the, the future belongs to the intercessors I believe there are prayers left unprayed in heaven that have affected history. I'm not saying in the end that God's not sovereign. And He will bring everything that He ever said accomplished to pass. But God has included us to be involved in praying certain things. And I believe there have been people who God has impressed praying on. He has bowls that He stores in prayer in heaven with prayers that He pours out when He does the judgment at the end of time. You can't tell me our prayers aren't doing something on the face of the earth. Amen? I want you to look at this. If you've got your Bible, I don't have it on the screen. Isaiah 37. And I promise you, this is it for all those who are saying, please, Lord, let him shut up. This is it. Isaiah 37. This is mentioned three times in the Word of God. If something's mentioned three times, we ought to heed it. It's mentioned in Kings. It's mentioned in Chronicles. And the best place it's mentioned is in Isaiah. And it's about Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was the king of Israel at this time. And the king of Assyria came against Israel. And he came with like 185,000 army against them. And if you read all the history and stuff here, if you go through all the passages of Scripture, it's really amazing because you're going to go read. And this king begins to, rather than Hezekiah interceding, he became a... Um, A uh, negotiator. And this king, he, he comes back and negotiates with the king rather than interceding like he should have. And all of a sudden this king, he, he, he begins to make a bargain with the king and, and to try to stop him because he's already come through uh, Judah and now he's coming to the gates of Jerusalem and about to bust through and take everything. And so all of a sudden he gets scared and he begins to negotiate. And he literally, folks, in one of the other places besides Isaiah, he literally takes the gold off the temple and gives it to this king. You talk about bad negotiation. And guess what the king does? What, it, what he does with everything. And this preacher said, that's like us taking the promises out of God's word and handing them to the devil. These gold promises. And we say, hey, uh, you know, we're scared like the Methodist church. We're scared to speak out against, about, against gender confusion. We're scared to speak out against homosexuality. So we'll give you the gold out of this book and, and we'll leave it alone. We won't preach that anymore. And you make an agreement with the enemy so he'll back off. And you know what the enemy did? He doubled down, what the enemy always does. He doubled down and he came and he was going to, he sent a letter, he wrote out a letter. And if you read the letter, it is so embarrassing. It did, Margaret. He blasphemes the name of God. He He said, your God sent me to destroy you. I mean read it man it's unbelievable he says he says and your god is about to let me just mow you down I mean, he just insults God one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. And then you come to, uh, to Hezekiah. Finally, they bring the letters. They tell him about it. They bring the letters. And then Hezekiah finally moves out of Deliberator back to Intercessor. And I want you to see how prayer changes the future and how prayer changes things. Because listen to what Hezekiah in verse uh, chapter 37, verse 14. And it says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, praise God. He finally wises up and spread it before the Lord... Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, and listen to what he says: "O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made the heavens and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear; and open your eyes, O Lord, and see; and hear all the words of Sennacherib, whatever his name was, the king, which has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations of their lands." And have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods. But the work of man's hands. Wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore O Lord your God. Save us from His hand. That all the kingdoms of the earth may know. That you are the Lord. And you alone. Then Isaiah comes. After he spreads this out. After he intercedes. After he prays through the Lord. And says God. Lord save save us. Then look at what happens in verse 21. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah saying thus says the Lord God of Israel because you prayed because you prayed to the Lord you look like you don't believe me go ahead and don't pray because you prayed because you prayed Because you prayed. We need to pray again. Look at what He does. Because you have prayed to Me against this King, this is the word of the Lord which is spoken concerning Him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you. They've laughed you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes on high against the Holy One of Israel? By your servants has the Lord reproached the Lord? and said Be by the multitude of chariots I've come up to the height of the mountains. In other words hey and by the cypress trees I've drugged and dunked water. Did you not hear long ago how I made it from the ancient times and I formed it. Now I have brought it to pass that you should be uh, for crushing fortified cities into uh, ruins. He just goes on and on and on and on but your dwelling place is ongoing uh, and your rage. But he basically he comes down and he says hey he, he comes to over here and he says concerning the king of Assyria. Look at it in verse 33 and I close. He shall not come into your city because you prayed Hezekiah man some of you aren't getting it because you prayed Hezekiah 185,000 men are poised to take the city of Jerusalem. They're about to crush him and negotiation hasn't worked Letters have come. I'm really going to take you now. And your God is going to do something. I think it's time to pray. And he says, because you prayed, he shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mount against it by the way that he came. By the same he shall return and shall not come into the city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city and I will save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Because you prayed, because you prayed, I heard. And I want to take care of the king. And let me show you how he takes care of him. <sighs> then the angel. Say the angel. The angel. The angel. One angel, man. If it had been you and me. I said, there's 185 of them, dear God. I don't know what you got to do, but send a legion of angels. God, send one for everyone. Send two for everyone. He didn't say that. He said, you're the creator. You're God. You're Lord. You can do anything. Save us. Save us. Do you see the, uh, the letter that I got? Save us. Because you prayed and I heard what the king's going to do. I'm moving. And then he says, the angel of the Lord went out that night and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. Listen at this. This is in the middle of the night. They prayed. They went to bed. That's what you do after you pray and put it in the hands of God. It doesn't matter that there's 185,000 people at the wall. You pray and you go to bed. And that, now look. When they arose early in the morning, there were corpses of dead Syrians all around. You wake up. You prayed, God save us. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. And you wake up and all of a sudden you wake up and there are dead Assyrians everywhere. 185,000, all your enemies are gone and wiped out by one angel of the Lord. Man, that is a mighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I think it's time to pray. I think it's time to pray. Amen. So what do we do? Pray. Number one, He says, Jesus says, go into the room, shut the door, get in the secret place with Him, get out all the distractions, pray to the Father in secret. He is your Father now, and we can go before Him, and we praise Him, and then we uh, we, we, we repent, then we ask, amen, and then what last? Yield and we yield that's a great formula look you don't have to do that every time I don't want you going in there with some rote formulas of prayer sometimes I go in there and sometimes you you hit the yield first and you hit the ask first and you do this sometimes you go in that order sometimes you mix it around sometimes you don't even go with it but that is a great prayer language that can help you remember some of the things that we need to go in before God and in a couple of weeks I'm going to show you that very acrostic down through Nehemiah 9 they prayed it years ago and just following that right order. And I'm going to show you how we can pray this prayer and go right down through it. They prayed it back then and we can pray it today. And I'm telling you, God is a great God who answers prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for prayer. We thank you, God. That you hear our prayer. We thank you, God, that you answer our prayers, God. We thank you that you are God who answers uh, uh, the prayers of your people. And Father, I just pray you'd stir our hearts, God. It's a a sad indictment that we can't even have, um, Lord, uh, prayer meetings where people will show up. We can't sell books anymore in prayer. because they just won't sell in the bookstores. But God, I believe you want to call a people and a nation back to prayer. God, I believe you want to do it. We put that scripture on, Lord, everything. Man, I heard it everywhere. It's everywhere. If my people, if my people will call by their name, will humble themselves and pray. But God, I don't see anybody in this nation doing it. Very few. Very few churches are doing it. And so God, don't let that be the indictment. I believe, God, we're being sailed into rough waters and we know that. And I believe it's a time where we're going to have to rely on prayer to get us through God and I believe that you're calling your people back even now to to, to intimacy with you and to pray to pray God to pray and Lord I believe we need to see things like Hezekiah in, in the word of God and like focus praying and Lord see that because you prayed because you prayed Hezekiah Because you prayed about the king, I'm going to take care of it. I'm taking care of business. And, Lord, we thank you that you do. History belongs to the intercessors. And, Lord, we want to be intercessors who pray in your name. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray today that they will call on the name of the Lord and be saved and be able to to call you Father and be able to have a relationship with you, God. Do that in their heart and in their life, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen.